hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. It's a privilege to be able to speak tonight, and we are continuing our series, The New Way. We're in Luke chapter 11 now, and Jesus talks about prayer. So before we hear what Jesus has to say about it, let's pray. Why don't we close our eyes, bow our heads. Lord, you are good. We start with your goodness. You're so good. We're so grateful for what you've been doing in this place tonight. We're so grateful for the way that, for the way that you have been working in people's hearts. And we're grateful that you are here with us, Holy Spirit. And we just pray that as we continue to look at the book of Luke, as we continue, continue to dig into your words, Jesus, we pray that you would speak to us. Uh, that things that are not from you would fall away and things that are from you would stick and that they would change hearts. Thank you for your presence with us again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So let's start with some scripture. Uh, we have Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Do these words sound familiar to anyone? I imagine many of us are more familiar with the longer, full Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew. Here in Luke, Jesus begins with a snippet of that prayer, and then he continues to teach them about prayer with quite a challenging story. We'll get to that soon, but let's look at these first four verses. As with the full Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives his disciples a sort of template for how to pray. Millions of Christians, and I'm sure plenty of us in this room, uh, love to recite the Lord's Prayer as part of our prayer time. It's a really helpful prayer to memorize as something that we can build our prayer life around or simply pray. The version in Luke 11 is laid out like this. One, glorify God. Hallowed be your name. Two, focus on his ways. Your kingdom come. Three, ask for what you need. Daily bread and and forgiveness. And four, invite him to lead you. In this case, not into temptation. If you're a note-taking person, here's my first point for tonight. Prayer is not about what we want, it's about what he wants. Prayer is not about what we want, it's about what he wants. All right, when you were a kid, did you ever pray prayers like this? Dear God, probably like Judith, eh? Um, Dear God, please, please, please make my family really rich like my cousin so that I can have a PlayStation for Christmas. Then I'll be just as cool as my friend Caleb and everyone will really like me and I'll be really happy. Please, God. No. You know, you know, I pray prayers like that. Um, that's quite an overly simplified one, but I have to be honest. When I was a child, I did pray prayers similar to that one. One of the things I've grown in as my faith has matured is moving away from praying for the things that I want and learning learning to ask God for what he wants for me. What we see here in Luke 11 is Jesus modeling prayer that is really different to how we might naturally pray. 
childish exaggerations aside, I am certainly guilty of praying prayers that might better be described as wishes or maybe divine shopping lists for God. Um, Guilty. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. I think Jesus is showing us that prayer shouldn't be about what we want, but about what God wants for us. If we begin with glorifying God, you know, we don't rush straight in with our desires, but we first focus on His goodness, then we're off to a good start. Our perspective has already shifted off our issues and onto the one with no issues. Hallowed be your name. Then we acknowledge that His ways are higher, your kingdom come. In the book of Matthew, it includes your will be done. So important. So we acknowledge that God's plan for our lives is better than our own, and we ask him to make it so. The next step is interesting. Asking for our daily bread and for forgiveness. It's all about what we need and not what we don't need. Jesus phrasing it, daily bread, is a lesson in itself about trusting God to provide and not seeking after more than we need. There's a whole sermon there. We won't get into it, but that's a challenge. Man, again, that's putting his will above our own desires, our needs that only God truly knows anyway, above our wants. And Jesus finishes here with lead us not into temptation. There's a memorable verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's not the one you're thinking of. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. If the cheat sheet wasn't there, who would have thought I was going to talk about love? Anyway, um, yeah, there was at least one hand. Perhaps this verse needs to include, when I was a child, I prayed like a child. So, speaking of children... It's story time. Yes. That's Holly. It's getting, getting to bedtime, isn't it? <laughs> it's a privilege to have them here. So uh, it is story time. I am what you could call a minor thrill seeker. Minor. I know. I took my family to Queenstown for a week these school holidays, and we had heaps of fun with our girls. If I was a, a major thrill seeker, I probably would have dedicated some of our money to like the jet boats or the bungee jumping or there's some crazy stuff. There's like a boat that's shaped like a shark that does, looks expensive. Um, I can't really justify the, the price tag right now. The most adventurous thing we got up to this time was going up the gondola and riding the luge. Now, if you haven't done the luge before, it looks like this. Yeah. My mum and dad were there and they got a nice camera. We're not going to pay money for the photos. <laughs> okay, so the luge is like a little go-kart. I'm hoping that someone hasn't done it, so I'm explaining it to somebody. Um, the luge is like a little go-kart thing that's really simple to control. You pull the handlebar a little bit to go, and you pull it all the way back to slow down. Uh, they're super fun, and you can go pretty fast on this winding downhill track. And it's awesome, because you're at the top of the hill in Queenstown. There's the Remarkables, and there's a lake and stuff. You know, it's great. Um, the snow was all gone, but that's okay. It's really fun. This isn't a paid luge ad, although if you know someone, I'm open to endorsements. So Emma and I had two luge tickets each, and our three-year-old Sienna is at a good height to ride in one of our laps. 
There you are, you can just make her out. And there is a bit of a grin there, eh? So I took her first for our first ride, and it was really fun. By the end of the ride, my continual wooing, uh, all my wooing and my enthusiasm had her loving it, and she was wooing along too. It was really cute. But your first luge ride, and all the tandem rides with someone in your lap, they have to be on the slow course. And so I was really excited to get back up the chairlift and bomb down the fast track. You know, it was nice to take my daughter. It was, good family experience. But I'm gonna floor it this time and have heaps of fun. So Emma took Sienna for the next ride. There may be a photo of that. Yes, look at that. Emma took Sienna and I shot off down the fast one on my own. No mucking around, ignoring all the slowdown signs, getting air over the jumps and getting really wobbly on the tight corners. I made it to the bottom way quicker this time and it was much more exciting. But as I was pulling into the end, I couldn't help but notice that I missed Sienna. I just missed her. It was not as fun. It turns out I had way more fun sharing the experience with my daughter. Fatherhood analogies are great for getting to know what God is like, and three years into parenthood, I'm starting to understand why. Our Father in heaven is amazing. He's exciting, he's fun, and he's probably a bit of a thrill seeker. Don't ask for a biblical reference, Pastor. Um, maybe when Jesus walked on water. Uh, anything that we need his help with is actually incredibly easy for him to do. He's all-powerful. He can accomplish anything he wants as quickly as he wants. But God wants to do it with us. He, want, he doesn't want to rush off and luge down the mountain at breakneck speeds. His plan, his way better plan, is to slow down and take us along for the ride. Because he loves us and he loves to do life with us. It's like that with prayer. God doesn't need our prayers to know what this world needs, does he? Or to know what we need. God doesn't need our prayers to know what's on our hearts. He doesn't need our prayers to remind him of what we care about. So I really want my daughters to at least be minor thrill seekers. Maybe when they're older we can jet boat together or we can go to the Gold Coast and ride a roller coaster that's scary or, um, you know, do all the fun stuff. But taking Sienna along for the ride and wooing is my way of showing her how great life can be and sharing part of my heart and my experience with her. God allowing us to be part of the process with prayer is such a mystery, isn't it? You're so big and so powerful, God, you should just go ahead and do the thing, whatever the thing is, whatever we're praying for. But sometimes he doesn't. Let's keep our eyes open to what God teaches us in the process while we take the time to pray through every situation. Partnering with him and leaning not on our own understanding. One piece of scripture that has moved me and shaped me over the years is Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I love that piece of scripture. God's way is better than ours. His plan is better than ours. His prayers, even his prayers, are better than ours. My second point tonight 
as I've just been saying, is that God wants us to partner with Him in prayer. God wants us to partner with Him in prayer. There are so many ways that this could look, but here's one that I've heard. The pastor who married Emma and I, he used to set alarms on his phone throughout the day to remind him to pray. Does that sound like cheating? Maybe. Maybe it feels less authentic. But think about it. If your phone buzzes every couple of hours and says, pray, exclamation point, it's pretty likely that you'll have at least a moment spare that you could dedicate to God, maybe even a few moments. Work's not that hectic all the time. You already give plenty of time to all the other little things that pop up on your phone, right? So how about this? When your phone says pray, you could ask the Holy Spirit for guidance in that exact moment, even if you didn't think you needed it. He can help. Or you can realign your intentions with God's plan for the day. Has your mind drifted? Or you can feel his peace in the middle of whatever storm you're facing. He promised peace. Or you can pray a simple prayer of thanksgiving. Whether you're in the storm or whether you're not, he is still good. Let's get back into Luke 11 and see what Jesus says next about prayer. So from verse 5, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family are all in bed. I can't help you. That's probably how I'd respond. Getting them down is important. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Some people think that because this passage says ask and you'll get it, that you can pray for anything and God will give it to you. Oh, that's a bit ridiculous. Uh, don't pray like a child. Partner with God and pray for the things that are on His heart. Pray for the things that He wants to see happen in your life and in our world. Pray for His kingdom to come. And how do we do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So my third point tonight is that we need the Holy Spirit to guide our prayers. We need the Holy Spirit to guide our prayers. Luke 11, verse 11 says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? When we have the Holy Spirit alive within us, the things that God cares about Things that God cares about become the things that we care about. And who here knows that when we start to feel the things that God feels, our prayer life radically changes. My shopping list of dreams and desires fades away because the Holy Spirit, God alive within me, 
is molding my dreams and desires into what he wants them to be. And we have the privilege of partnering with him in prayer. I'm not going to pray for my parents to get rich and buy me a PlayStation or something more relevant to 27-year-old life that I want for myself when I might feel that God has placed a friend on my heart or a situation on my heart. I don't need a PlayStation. I don't have time for a PlayStation. My friends and the situations in my world, they need my prayers and they need God's peace. So I've been a Christian for 13 years now, and I'm a pastor's kid, so I've, I've been in church literally forever. However, there are plenty of times in this journey that I have felt really guilty about my prayer life, like guilty for not being good enough at prayer. One example is a couple of weeks ago in Hamlet Springs. I was at some young adults retreat. I was there as, maybe you've heard of it. I was there as a guest worship leader, um, you know, following my real calling, not preaching. And some American guy got up to speak. But actually, this American dude, he didn't really speak. He was silent for the first few minutes of his talk. He just stood there with a bunch of cards for us to read. So first of all, someone's probably paid him to speak. And secondly, he excludes all the blind people. And so <laughs> it's really unfair. Then to make it worse, when he does get to talking, the speaking part of his message is focused on us being silent. And then he made us do it. So he got us to sit in silence and not even pray, just like wait and be quiet and still. I'm the guy that jumps around and yells into a microphone. I don't know how to be still. We weren't allowed to pray. We had to somehow remove thoughts and don't hear me wrong, I love Josh Taylor. This guy is a legend. And I think that we should actually all learn to spend time in silence when we pray. My problem is I've got a wandering mind, so I've got quite a bit of growing to do. I'm okay to admit that. And I'm saying this as someone who's been praying for a long time. It might be stretching my job description, the boss is over there. But you might be able to call me a professional prayer. You know, every Sunday when I'm worship leading, I pray. I spent a couple of years working with youth and young adults, and I would regularly pray with them and for them and about them. But here, in Hamner Springs a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling guilty because I'm a big old novice when it comes to this part of my prayer life. I'd just gotten off the stage where I'd probably looked pretty spiritual, singing and praying as I lead worship. I probably looked spiritual, but here I was humbled. And I realized that I've got a lot of growing to do. If you are a person who has been a Christian for a while, I want to encourage you. In Luke 10, just a few verses before today's passage, if you were mathematically challenged, Jesus chose 72 disciples and sent them out into the towns that he was planning to visit. He told them to go tell the good news of his kingdom and to heal the sick. And look at Luke 10, 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. When they prayed in Jesus' name, the demons fled. Jesus said in verse 19 that they have been given all authority over the power of the enemy. You can say that these guys are experienced Christians, right? But when we get to today's passage in chapter 11, 
we see them asking Jesus how to pray. There's always more for us to learn. We can always grow more. We can always learn more. They were obviously doing something, right? <laughs> Casting out demons. But they still had the humility to ask Jesus to show them more. My advice, you Christian who can pray okay, is just be humble, eh? Keep asking God to lead you rather than trusting in your own ability and experience. Lean not, once again, in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. So that's point number four. We can always get better at prayer. Not sure if anyone's writing it down, but we can always get better at prayer. Can I have the band return to the stage, please? So just in case my ramblings have gone on a little too long and you're starting to think that I should stick to strumming my guitar aggressively and yelling things like, come on, into the microphone, here is my point, just to make it really black and white. We all need the Holy Spirit. Yeah? We all need, amen, we all need the Holy Spirit. For so many reasons, we need the Holy Spirit. But today I'd like to remind you and myself that our prayer lives too need the Holy Spirit. And they're so much better when they're empowered by God himself alive within us. The new way to pray is by trusting in the gift of the Holy Spirit. As always with Jesus, it's no longer about striving for perfection in our prayers. Rather, it's about partnering with God to see his will be done and his kingdom come. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.